Hello, and uh, welcome to the pod where it happens. My name is Mike Espejo, and I'm your fearless host on this wonderful Magical Mysteries tour of a podcast. And we are back after a little hiatus. I want to apologize. There's been some scheduling things, and summer has taken hold. The first summer post-pandemic, and life has uh, has uh, kind of taken a step above the podcast. But I'm back with a very special episode. I'm very happy and excited to have my first celebrity guest today. It is Mike Giardi from the NFL Network, big national reporter for your New England Patriots. Mike, thanks for coming on. This is awesome. Hey, we've been talking for a long time. Uh, how many years now? Probably like 10. Oh, man. Uh, so, so this is just uh, sort of the natural uh, progression of things now that you have, now that you're a big time star with your own podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. All, all four listeners are really going to enjoy, I think, what you have <laughs> have to say today. Yeah, I was looking at... um. For a picture I wanted to post with when I released the pod, and it was a picture of us from the old um, NBC Sports Boston in 2016. So at least five years, I'd say probably seven, eight years we've been buddies. Yeah, that's that's probably fair because I think we, we bumped into each other a few times around like Patriots Hall of Fame stuff in the summer, you know, like the Hall of Fame ceremonies and things like that. So, yeah, I think that's a, that's about right. Awesome. Yeah, we met um, on the Twitter tweeting like birds. <laughs> out on that World Wide Web, and uh, Mike was, I guess, I guess my tweets weren't that annoying that he, he followed me, and then we just developed a rapport and became friends. So, Mike, I really appreciate you coming on. This is awesome. Um, it means so much to me. So thank you a million times. No problem. Uh, my pleasure. And it's perfect timing because we are about one week out of the start of 2021, the New England Patriots um, training camp, and we're going to delve into um, our outlook, Mike's outlook for the season and what it was like to cover the Patriots. First, I want to get a little background uh, on Mike so you can get to know him if you don't know him already. Mike is the lead NFL reporter for the Patriots for the NFL Network. That's correct? That is correct. And you did you, you grew up in the area, didn't you? Yeah, so I was uh, born in New Hampshire, uh, raised on the Cape, but actually went to high school up, um, up near Boston. So kind of, yeah, I, I've been here basically my entire life and... Uh, I couldn't uh, have envisioned this thing working out any better than it has yeah, over that, the last 25 years or so. Yeah, that worked out pretty well. Now, did you play sports uh, growing up? I did. I did. My, well, so my father is uh, was a uh, coach for 40 years. Wow. Uh, and he was, my, he was my head football coach in high school. He was my brother's head football coach in high school. Um, yeah. So, I mean, from... From the time I was old enough to walk, I can remember going to games and practices and things of that nature and just sort of um, just a natural progression of things. You know, we if we if he wasn't coaching it, we were playing it when he was when he was coaching it. Sometimes we were playing it on the sidelines anyways. You know, it was just one of those things. It was football always your first love growing up. Absolutely. Um, I mean, that was that was my father played football at Syracuse in the 60s. Oh, wow. Um, I didn't know that. And yeah, so it definitely is. It's in the blood for sure. Um, and I, I kind of, as I got older, I, I was like, I'm either going to be a football coach or I'm going to go into the, to the journalism side and, and hopefully one day cover football. So, um, you see where it's all ended up here at, at this point <laughs> in my life. So you knew at an early age that you wanted to be involved in the, in some, in the game in some capacity. Absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, I don't know, like I used to, the game means so much on so many different levels to me. And I talk about it, like, you know, my brother and I will talk and I'm like, I used to get as upset or more upset 
when you lost games than when I lost games. And I didn't take it very well when I lost games either, but you know, it just that, that deep rooted uh, passion for the game and, and wanting to be exceptional at it in one way, shape or form. And when you're, unfortunately, when you're five foot nine, 175 pounds, uh, you know, there's, there's only so far you can go with that, especially when you don't run a four two forty. <laughs> so, uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to play in college, but you know, small college division three, uh, and, you know, just sort of carried the love affair on through that and, and into, into the, my next walk, you know, in journalism. Is that, uh, you went to undergrad Trinity college? I was, yes. And that's outside of Hartford, right? Uh, yes, that is. Well, it's, it, it technically is in Hartford. Oh, okay. I do want to let you know a little secret something you said. I also do not run a 4-240, so don't, <laughs> don't feel too bad about that. <laughs> I tried. I really tried hard, but it just uh, these legs, they just, they just don't do that. <laughs> and what position did you play? I, so I was a uh, – well, let's see. We'll break it down. I was a – I started safety in high school as a sophomore and played receiver. Then as a junior, I was our quarterback – uh, even though I did not want to be, but I, um, I won the job and, uh, it took a little while for someone to take it away from me. And then I went back to receiver and played receiver and safety, uh, the remainder of my junior year and my, and my entire senior year. And then college, I played receiver for the four years there. Oh, wow. That, that's awesome. So then you, you went, uh, your undergrad at Trinity and then I see that you got your, your master's degree in, um, journalism from BU. Yeah. So I, when I got out of school, it's a, I'll make it a short story, but I, I was offered a job. I was offered a job coaching at SUNY Albany, which is known for, you know, there's like three full-time staffers and then like 12 graduate assistants. And I thought it was perfect, you know, not too far from home. I could get my master's degree right out of uh, college and I could coach football. But what they do there is they interview for positions for guys that are expected to leave. In other words, there were three guys that were going to be leaving that staff um, for the real world. Uh, having finished their masters and uh, my position, which was going to be the wide receiver coach, that guy um, did not get anything coming out of Albany and he ended up staying. So my offer was rescinded. Um, the guy felt terrible. <laughs> In oh. fact, I got, I got calls for three years afterwards, um, like every you know late spring or summer from some school wanting to know if I was interested in coaching. And I'm convinced to this day that it came from coach Ford at, at Albany as sort of like payback to try to like get me back into the, into his good graces, if you will, and get, and get back in the business. But that, that's not how it works. So I ended up writing for a newspaper down the Cape. And, um, this is a great story because when I worked, I, I was just doing part-time, I was like 10 hours a week. Yep. And the, the sports editor said to me, he goes, Hey, I'm moving to Costa Rica. Whoa. I bought, I bought a farm in Costa Rica. I'm moving to Costa Rica with my dog Peaches, uh-huh. and and I told them you should have my job. Wow! And that's how I ended up. I ended up as the sports editor of the Falmouth Enterprise down in Cape Cod, my hometown, and uh, I did that for three years. But then, you know, I kind of always knew that I wanted to try TV. Yep. And um, I made the jump uh, at whatever I was twenty twenty six to uh, go to grad school and, and do the broadcast journalism thing from from BU. Oh wow! Okay, so you had some. Uh actual real world experience and you jump back to get the, the masters at BU. Oh, okay. Oh, that's, that's awesome. That's, that's really cool that that coach, uh, that he did that for you. And also <laughs> your, your, uh, your old boss. 
Yeah, you know, he's funny. I just I, I I was I was down the Cape maybe a week ago and I'm walking my dog down the street oh, no by my way. parents' house and he drives by. Oh, that's awesome. Car. I, I swear I see him once once or twice a year when I'm walking my dog down the street when I'm visiting my parents. So and yeah, you, and uh, you, you did him proud. <laughs> yeah, and he, he he's a Giants fan, so he always wants to talk about the Giants. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if I can watch this Daniel Jones guy again. I don't know if I can do it. Once. You're gonna have to at least for one more year. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's wonderful. It's funny how people in our lives that cross our paths are you know always key to our development. You always remember those people, and uh, that that's a, that's a great story. Yeah, I, I think the, that I you know kind of when you look back on. You know, when when I when I let my mind drift to some of that stuff, some of those people that were so instrumental, you know, in, in helping me get here, having, you know, faith in me, maybe before I deserved to have faith in me, at least in terms of doing what I'm doing now, you know, like guys taking chances on me when I didn't have a ton of experience. And that, you know, that meant the world to me. Yeah, still that, does. that's awesome. That's great. I love it. So, OK, so you go to BU and then what's uh, after the Masters? Where What's the next stop? I got a job at um, as the sports director, lead sports anchor at WIVT, I think is an ABC affiliate in Binghamton, New York. Oh, wow. Look at that. Yeah, I, I was I was deciding between two jobs. I had a job offer in Rock Hill, South Carolina, which is only like I want to say like 20 miles from Charlotte. So from a from a living perspective, that probably would have been the better choice. <laughs> yep. But they didn't. They, they had so the place that wanted to hire me was only doing uh one newscast a day wow so i would only get i would only get five you know five reps if you will a week right and that wasn't enough i said you know if i'm going to do this everyone i talked to was like you gotta in order to get good at it you just gotta keep doing it you know more reps the better right um and the and binghamton new york was you know morning sports and it was a six o'clock and an 11 o'clock and cut-ins and all kinds of different things and you know it's just from a from a professional um, standpoint, it, it made all the sense in the world. And that's, that's what I did for 15 months. Well, probably a great place to learn too. Oh, no question. I mean, it just, uh, the amount of repetition was great. You know, I had to shoot all my own video. You're doing all, you're, you're basically, you're doing everything you're editing, you're doing everything. And it's, you know, there's, you don't know pressure until you come back from a shoot at 1115 and you got to be on TV at 1122 and you have a three minutes, a four minutes of sports that you have to edit and you have to do it in seven minutes. Can you do it? <laughs> and then can you go perform it and not look like you just, you know, were running on a treadmill at a hundred miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. That, that sounds uh, like uh, it'd be tough. And the, the pull of uh, upstate New York didn't let you get away. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not. It was uh, destiny. Uh, yeah, uh, completely. And then after that, where did, where'd you go? So I uh, had interned at, at New England Cable News when I was at um, oh, okay. at BU, and I, you know, maintained relationships with several people there when I went to Binghamton, including their lead sports producer, who turned out to be the sports director there, a guy by the name of Maury Levine. Okay. Um, and we used to talk, I don't know, maybe once every month or something like that. And so he called me one day and he's like, hey, you should send a tape. And I was like for what he's like oh well steve buckley writes for the herald now yep. writes for the athletic yep. um buck had been doing had been co-hosting their night show with kristen mastriani and he was leaving to just concentrate once again on just writing okay and um he's like so they're looking for somebody and i told him they should look at you and i'm like dude i'm not 
I'm not ready for that. I mean, I've, I've only been doing TV for, you know, 12, 13 months or whatever. And he's like, just send a tape. Awesome. So I sent it. So I sent the tape. You know, I scrambled the tape together because I wasn't even ready to start doing that. And I uh, put a tape together, sent it to him, you know, 24 hours later. And then he calls me, I don't know, two or three days after that. And if you know Maury, Maury is a, a professional prankster. <laughs> um, so when he called me back, he's like, they want you to come down. They want to interview you tomorrow. Wow. And I was like, you're full of it. He's like, no, I'm dead serious. I'm like, I don't believe you. I hung up on him. I did not believe him. And he called back and he's like, I'm not. Do you want to talk to Charlie Kravitz, who the, was the news director there? He's like, I'm like, all right, if, you, if you're dropping Charlie's name, you definitely, you're not pulling my leg. So, you know, I don't think that Friday worked. I think it went next to the following Friday. And I guess unbeknownst to me, I'd already, basically the job was mine unless I screwed up the interview. Oh, no way. And, and uh, I did not screw up the interview. Uh, I got some nice uh, support from my brother who was teaching at St. Sebastian's at the time, which is like three minutes away from where NECN was. So he, he dropped off a... Um, a note on my, on my car windshield. And I, th- I think maybe he left a, like a Snickers bar or something, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, by, I, I think I was driving home that night and I got another call in there and he was like, yeah, they they want you to, they want you to, to take the job. And two, two weeks later I was, I was back in Boston. Back working for New England cable news. Yep. That's awesome. And, that, and I was there for a good long time. I mean, so. Looks like nine years, ca- 2000. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and it would have kept on going, but then that was when, so Comcast and Hertz, Hearst were joint owners of the station. Comcast bought out the Hearst portion of the, of the, of the station. Okay. And Comcast took us and folded us into their, um, sports operations, formerly Fox sports, now Comcast sports net. Well, then Comcast sports net, new England and, uh, myself and Chris Collins and, the four or five producers and, and Maury all went from uh, working in in uh, on the on the Needham Newton line to working in Burlington, Massachusetts. And, and, and look at know. that! You came yeah. to the promised land. <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> and that became NBC Sports Boston, which is what we know it as today. Yeah. And you were there. Yeah, looks so like that was from two thousand nine. Yeah, I want to say that. I want to. Yeah, I want to say the the. The NBC purchase went through like 2016, maybe. Okay, and you were there 2015, somewhere in there. From, so yeah, I was I was part of that, you know that that whole changing of the guard there as well. And you were there from 09 to 18, and you basically were the the primary uh, looks like Patriots beat reporter. Um, yeah, so I, I I was fortunate enough, um, you know, when they when they did the hiring for that, so that was in 2009 when they jo- when they joined us forces there. Um, that's when they launched the uh, Chevrolet Sportsnet Central. Oh yeah, which yeah. was like their big. So that was like you know for for all the different regionals and Philly and and in Houston and you know all the different places in the Bay Area. Um, that okay. was how they sort of relabeled things. And I was fortunate enough, you know, they hired a lot of inexperienced on-air talent, and I had you know pretty much more experience than anybody else. Um, so I was fortunate enough to be paired with Carolyn Mano, who now does a ton of stuff actually for CNN and okay. I think she's covering like her fourth or fifth Olympics now. Oh wow. Um, but so Carol and I got to be the, the co-hosts of, of the uh, Sportsnet central at six o'clock. And we did that for a couple of years before she made the jump to, to NBC sports. And you uh, were also start hosting, uh, I think the Monday night Patriots show. I remember. Yeah. Did the Monday night Patriots thing. We do the Patriots Wednesday live. Yeah. It was, uh, 
it was quite a time, you know, like the, the, obviously the business has changed dramatically. Uh, it's just in the last, whatever, five years, 10 years, the heck in the last year. Um, but it was kind of cool to be a part of something like that, that was getting off on the ground floor and just the, the size of the operation, you know, even though working at NECN, we were, there was a big operation, but mostly news, you know, we did a ton of sports, but the, the, the major part of the operation was, was news. And to be in a place that was just doing sports was, was uh, pretty exhilarating. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was a great experience. Yeah. That's kind of cutting edge too, for these, like, that was one of the first like regional networks doing all sports. And now we see that's kind of commonplace, but I believe that network was one of the first ones across the country that, that was like just focused on sports. One of those super networks, sports networks. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, you know, obviously locally Nesson's been doing their sort of thing for a long time, but it's the, the scope of the operation, I think is, you know, com- completely different uh, the size of it, the, the sort of, um, the breadth of it, if you yeah. will. And I mean, look, Nesson, you know, the Red Sox, that's right. been a built in winner for them for a, a zillion years. And it will continue to be as long as they have the rights. Sure. Um, but you know, we were able to carve out our own little niche and I think we put on a, put on a hell of a show for, for some time there. Oh, absolutely. And, um, 2018 rolls around and you make the jump to NFL network, which I love. What, what, how did that, how did that happen? That was really, um, had been in the works for a few years, at least in terms of just like conversation. So I think when um, when Albert Breer left NFL Network, they never really, well, briefly, they replaced him with a Boston reporter. That didn't work. And then for a couple of years, they found themselves sort of always behind. You know, they, they, were, they were flying people in like Kim Jones or Judy Batista from New York or, or you know, whatever Tom Pelissero was coming in from Minnesota. Wow. They they didn't have anyone who was strictly covering it. You know, clearly at the time, the the, the preeminent franchise in the league. Yeah. Um, and they, you know, when things would happen, oftentimes they didn't have someone there. So then it was a reaction to it. You know, all right, we'll send Kim there tomorrow, or can someone get there later today, and we can be live outside, or whatever. And um, I had spoken with their field producer. Uh, several times, Lisa Edwards, who just so happens to be married to Jack Edwards. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the play-by-play guy for the Bruins on Nesson. Yep. And she's like, would you ever be interested? And I'm like, it never kind of worked. You know, like my contract, oh, I've still got another year and a half of my contract. And this last time it was like, well, no, my contract's coming up and their opening is coming up. And, you know, we were able to to marry that and, and make it work. And it was, um, I, I debated it. Because you know you develop such good relationships. Um, yeah. If people follow, if people on Twitter are, are keen to the camera guys' uh, uh, Twitter handle, um, those two guys, Bill Messina and Glenn Gleason, were videographers for my time at at uh, NECN and then CSN to NBC. I mean, I count those two guys as two of my better friends in the world. Oh, um, I love it. Glenn and I were like travel partners for twenty years wow. with the, the variety of events. You know, Patriots spring training what what i mean we did the, the 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 run to the cup when the bruins won in 11 and then again the run to the cup in 13 like we did every game so we were on the road or home and we were working together and i had a hard time sort of saying do i really want to leave my boys and 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 sort of leave something that i i know how to do and i'm comfortable with but these opportunities don't come around that often and after debating for a while internally in my head 
I took it and I want to say maybe like three days after I had taken it, I said to my wife, I'm like, you're a complete, I was a moron. I wasted like three weeks of my life or a month (laughs) of my life debating this decision. This was the right decision. And, uh, it's been, you know, I've loved every, every minute of it for the last three years. Yeah. I think you do a great job on there and it's nice to have a, a local guy covering our team. And I always get happy seeing you on there. What was it like going from a regional sports network to a national well, for me, because I put so much pressure on myself at all times, <laughs> uh, it was unnerving, you know, for sure. I yep. mean, you're like, I would say like when you're doing TV, I never really, you're talking to the audience, obviously, but many times I'm talking to the people that are behind the camera. So I'm talking to my friend, Glenn, who just happens <laughs> to be running the camera. You know, yep. I'm talking to the editors back there, my buddy, Matt, you know, like I'm, <laughs> that, that's who I'm sort of focusing my attention on it. I'm not thinking about this whole scope of people that don't know me. The people that at CSN slash NBC, they knew who I was. They knew my work ethic, my character, all that sort of thing. So like, I never felt like I could just be me. And when I went there, I'm like, what if they don't like me? What if I go to NFL network and the, and the people there, the producers, the, the whatever, they think this guy's a jerk or an idiot (laughs) or a buffoon. Like what, why did we hire this clown? Um, so, like, I, it was pretty nerve-wracking. I remember the first couple of broadcasts I did, you know, live shots, I was probably talking 100 million miles an hour, you know, because of the energy that I had and the nerves I had. But, you know, eventually you sort of settle in, and I don't think they think I'm a jerk or a buffoon. <laughs> so, that you know, it's it's been good. It's been really good. Oh, yeah, you do, do put a lot of pressure on yourself, and maybe that's why you're so good at what you do is you, you know, you set that high, high bar, and uh, it works. So, yeah, it, it, I don't think they think that at all. Um, what would be one piece of advice you'd give? I mean, you've got the, I mean, speaking for me, you've got the dream job, I think, uh, covering the local team for the NFL network. The, the NFL is the biggest thing going right now in sports and the Patriots, I mean, are at the very top of the list of, uh, preeminent franchises. What would be your one piece of advice for any budding journalists out there that would love to, to be a Mike Giardi someday or see you on TV and wonder, wow, I wonder how he got there. Well, I, I think what, what we've seen over the last, you know, I was talking about how the market has changed and how mm-hmm. the business has changed. You've got to be incredibly flexible. You've got to be able to embrace, you know, we get we have to do digital hits, you know, for I'm, I'm basically just holding my phone and do a 45 second live shot, you know, that I send mm-hmm. off to them. And like, I think people would balk at that sort of thing back in the day. And hence now it's like, well, if they told me I have to be on TikTok, I'll be on TikTok. You know, if they tell me I got to do a Facebook live, I'll do a face like whatever, um, they think that we need the areas that we need to hit or areas we need to be active in. I think that that's that they have to be willing to do that. And I would just say from the, from the, from the actual like nuts and bolts perspective, it it is so much about reps. Like I used to, when I wrote, I did that for three years after writing, you know, for the local, for the college newspaper, you know, but like one, one story a week for a couple months every year after football season was over, you know, like nothing intense. And then all of a sudden I'm writing for, a paper that comes out twice a week. And then we had a born enterprise that came out once a week on a different day. And then there was a sandwich enterprise and it became writing for, <laughs> you know, the deadlines, you know, more and more deadlines, more and more stories, more and more people that you needed to know. And it was just like, establish those relationships, get people to, to trust you. Um, and put in the day hours. You just have to, there's, there's no shortcut for that. You know, like you just have to be able to put in the work and, you know, what came to TV, like it truly was the biggest decision was Binghamton or Rock Hill. It was all about, well, I can do this three times a day 
five times a week. Sometimes, you know, if my weekend guy's off, maybe I'm doing a full seven, you know, yeah. versus going down to Rock Hill and maybe being more comfortable with life, you know, being yeah. in a in a better place, uh, a place that wasn't as depressed as as uh, Binghamton was, but, you know, not being able to get those reps. And I think, again, the between the contacts I had developed at NECN and then I just think being able to get better a lot faster, um, you know, being able to get out of there in 15 months versus I think a lot of people will take two or three years in that first job before they, yeah. they move to the next one. I, 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 I think I just did so much there. I was so obsessed with it that it just, <laughs> it made a difference. Yeah. Like anything in life, I guess, just put in the work and be flexible. And some of the things you, you mentioned, like uh, social media has changed the, like the game from your days back doing those hits in Bington. Um, the speed now that we, we get and receive information uh, with like Twitter, for example, how we met, I want to touch on that. How has Twitter changed the game for you? I mean, it's just so fast these days as opposed to making a deadline and print and, you know, going to copy. Now it's tweeted out, you know, break the news, Woj bomb. How has the Twitter yeah. uh, changed the, the game for you? I, I don't think it's good for journalism. Okay. Um, I mean, it's good for the consumer because, you know, I, we're, we're so conditioned. We need everything, you know, five minutes ago, <laughs> yep. um, which uh, I think has led to some quality drop off. I okay. think it's led to mistakes. Yeah. Um, I think I've made some mistakes <laughs> on there, you know, and I think you sort of learn as you go. And, you know, you know, I, I, I definitely am uh, um, more and more as I get older and older, it's like, don't hit send. Yeah. Look at it again. Look at it again. Look at it again. <laughs> then hit send. You know, like I think people want it. I mean, I'm, I'm the master of the typo. So even when I'm looking at it again, <laughs> I still don't get the typos right. But just from a uh, purely from a content perspective, did I did I is the story right? You know, if, if I'm breaking news, has that story been framed properly? Right. You know, like, did you don't leave any gray area? Right. Um, so, yeah, I I think it's become a necessary evil, but I, I don't particularly. I mean, I, I just I don't I think it, it has definitely led to like, look, you know, you you know, you, there's um, I, I can't even think of the guy's name right now. Um, but there are people that get out there. And they say, oh, I have breaking news. And then there's this like, well, this guy has a thousand followers. Like it sort of takes a life of its own. And then you go yeah. back and you start looking at what what's out there. And you're like, well, this person's right like 40% of the time. <laughs> or, you know, this person's never right. But yet why are we like, why am I or like, and that's the thing too. Like you'll have, it's not happened to me at the NFL Network, but maybe at other places where, a producer will see somebody else tweeting about something and be like, well, why don't we have this? And you're like, mm. well, cause that's not true. Well, they want you to react to it. I, I, you know, it's, it's definitely a different, it's a different world for sure. Yeah. I think I, I know some of the names of some of the guys in there you're talking about, but not to mention them. Yeah. It's just, and then, and then, then you have the fake accounts and then <laughs> it's just oh, a, yeah. the, the, the misinformation. And, and, and oh, there's nothing worse. <laughs> I, I think I, a couple of times in my life I've been burned by the you know, oh, yeah. fake blue check mark or whatever, or, or the Adam Schefter that's Adam oh, the Schefter fake right. or what? Yeah. Like I drives me crazy. Like <laughs> a, I shouldn't have been fooled by that. B who wants to do that with their life? Yeah. You right. know, like what, but whatever. And Jack from Twitter still hasn't given me that that edit button, so you that's why you gotta <laughs> check it four times. That is true. I, I would I would love the edit button, like just to 
for my typos. <laughs> nothing drives me like because I, I swear, like I, I you know, like I, I guess that's what happens when you write stuff in your own. Like if they say that all the time, like when I was a writer yep. doing that stuff, like you see it the way you had it in your head. Like right. that's you're still looking at it on paper and it doesn't it, the typo is there, but you don't see it. Your, your eyes just like, no, you you did that. You nailed it. Boom. And then you send out the tweet and then people are like, uh, what? He did what? He went where? Yeah, and you I didn't. Even, I didn't even think of this. I mean, you get a hundred. Well, you used to have one hundred forty characters, and one word that's kind of wrong or has like, like a dual meaning could change the whole tenor or tone of what you're tweeting. You got you know all these followers going, "What?" Yeah, right. Exactly. Or they just, or they just hit you with, uh, "What was that word you're trying to use there, Gary?" <laughs> you're like, "Yeah, I know. I spelled it wrong again. You know, I got you. I know." And then you become a meme. Yes, totally. So one question about the NFL Network: Do they like? Do they limit? Like, can you like not talk shop about you know, you know, New York and the league? Do you have to kind of play ball with the rules, or are you pretty much have free reign to, to you know, see it, call it as you see it? I was always wondered with the NFL Network and the Shield and I kind of keeping up the the image of the league. Do they have guidelines for you? And you don't have to answer this if that's a weird question. No, the only thing I was ever told, and I've never run into a problem in my in my three years there. The only thing I was told was when it comes to something of the league or an ownership, you need to have both sides. So, you know, the, the Jerry Richardson story when Carolina and all the stuff that went on there, like, okay, we have this news, but we have to wait for Carolina to respond before we go with the, you have to present both sides, you know? So um, I'm sure that that caused some frustration for the people. I wasn't there then. Um, But yeah, that's just that's the only real message. I've never had a problem. Uh, I've never been told not to report on something. Um, yeah, they 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 trust our judgment, and um, you know if there's something really major, you know you obviously got to run it up the flagpole just to make sure, sure everybody's on the same page with it. But I've never been told don't do that. That's cool, and that also that's a, a fair way to kind of to look at it too and do it. And that's that's a fair way for both sides to get both sides of the story. I think uh, we don't do that enough in life. No, it's the same thing. It's about the Twitter thing, right? It's right. like, just get, get it. it out there. It's just who can get it out there first. I mean, no one even really cares anymore who was most right, <laughs> if you will. Right. It's just who was first. Right. And then even then, then that gets bastardized. And you're like, well, wait, I had that first. But people are now, you know, sourcing it to whatever, Schefter, whomever. And right. they're like, well, no, I had it, but whatever. It's, that's just the nature of the beast now. And, and my last shop question, this has been good. Thank you very much. Um, I always wonder this because I'm a huge, huge, as you know, sports fan and Patriots fan, kind of fanatic, I think it will was, is fitting for me. Now, yes. when you become a member of the media and, um, you know, reporting on a team, can you still be a fan? I mean, I mean, you grew up, obviously, with the Patriots and all that. How, where is that? How is that line drawn between doing your job and being, you know, just, uh, I mean, you love the game, you love football, that's what got you into it, so... Obviously, you're going to have your team. Like, how how do you how do you manage that? I think that you, you know, like I, I'll give you an example. So in my in my previous life at, at CSN, NBC, etc., um, you know, I came in as a huge Red Sox fan. Yeah, and I remember even taunting people in New York that Garcia Parra was better than Jeter. <laughs> like on the air, I'm like, I don't really care. You know, these people like I'm not going to be here for that long. So like, you know, I'm just going to. I'm going to take my shots and have a little fun with it. Right. Um, but then you get there and you meet these people yeah. or you start to cover the team and you understand like, 
the the, the politics or the whatever the, the the variety of things that go on behind the scenes with teams or you know the way they try to control you and the media or you know get mad if you report a story even if the story is true you know like and after a while that sort of just like you're like eh, I'm not really a, f- a fan anymore you know I like I. I mean, and look, don't get me wrong. When the Red Sox won in 04, I mean, that was awesome. It was right. an awesome moment. It was an awesome to be on the field in St. Louis and they've covered that run. And, um, you know, I, I thought of my father who was, you know, was probably thinking I'm never going to see them win and finally get to see them win. And, yeah. you know, there's, there's, there's all those things. But at the same time, like, I have to go report the story. It's just, you know, it, I don't want to say it dampens your – your enjoyment because I love the games. I mean, I still think that the games um, by and large are the thing that, that drives me all the time. I just love the uh, Sunday. We got, you know, Cowboys Sunday, we got, the, mm-hmm. you know, whatever that, that, that's still been my thing. Yeah. But there's definitely a part of it where, yeah, you just, I, I still have a job to do here. I can't get too, too caught up in it. And look, I, th- I think there are, again yet another example of social media like i think people will push back when you criticize their team right um and it's like well look man i i'm not here to be a, a cheerleader like there are, i i think i've tweeted this before people like if you want a cheerleader who happens to cover the team there are plenty of accounts that you could find that that will do that for you that won't mention the bad stuff yeah uh, this guy's not playing well or that's a questionable decision on third down or why did they bring us relief pitcher or, you know, whatever, whatever the, the case may be. And I think that again, as I've gotten older, that used to bother me when I was younger. Now it's just like, look, this is my job. Yeah. Like I got to do it the way my bosses want to do it and do it the way I want to do it. I want to be able to look myself in the mirror and say, were you fair? Yeah. Were you, were you, you know, did you, did you, were you, did you present it the right way? Like, and that's, you know, that's sort of my call. That's what I, that's what I try to ask myself after everything I do. Yeah, that, that that does make a lot of sense, especially the the fan part where once you get to know these guys and you see them when the lights are off or the cameras off, maybe you get a different picture. You got to get to see who the real person is, and that probably and, definitely. And Mike, uh, yeah, and and on the flip side of that, I mean, I've met some awesome people. Like, yeah. I mean, truly, like sure dudes that I will, um, you know, when they've left here, you know, I root for them. You know, not not on air, but I mean, right, right. You know, I want them to, I want them to succeed. I they're 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 awesome. I mean, they're guys on the team now. Like they're they're some of the best human beings I have ever come across in in in, in my years on this earth. You know, that's so awesome. like that's and then there are guys you're like, man, if I don't ever talk to that guy again, I, I will be perfectly happy with that. You know, like that's yeah. But that's that's like anything, right? I mean, that's 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 life. Yeah, just like anything in life. All right, moving on. Let's talk about. So, I mean, you have covered. I mean. Looking, I was looking back at you know your 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 uh, history and the in your, your career. You have covered probably the greatest dynasty in the history of team sport, and I'm not at all biased by saying that. <laughs> what was it? I mean, we started with you know 2002, Adam Vinatieri, um, the kick in the Superdome, up until you know six Super Bowls later. What has it been like to? I mean. This is surreal what you've seen and what you've been. I mean, you realize how how fortunate you've been to see all this from your vantage point. Oh, there, there's no question. And you, you, um, it's interesting because sometimes you'll, you know, like, am I being too critical of this team? You know, am I being too critical of this moment? But again, you're 
there's such a history here of the success that you've covered. And you're like, well, I remember what it looked like, you know, when they were doing it this year, or I remember what it looked like when they were doing it that year. And does this look like that? Or does this team have those characteristics? Um, so you're kind of always measuring um, the, the, the current group with, with past teams. But I mean, look, there's, there's no question the, the, the run uh, in the salary cap era in oh. particular has been unprecedented. Um, as you well know, the Patriots are a difficult team to cover. They like to <laughs> uh, make things hard on us, harder maybe than some other places sure. do. But there's also some satisfaction in that from my perspective. And then when you get stuff, it's like, ha see, you can't, you can't keep me down. You know, like, uh, I don't know, but it, it really has been truly from, from, you know, from Super Bowls and Houston and Jacksonville and New Orleans and Minnesota and um, Arizona, Arizona and yeah. like just, and some of the moments too, like, um, you know, that you talked about the Monday Night Patriot show. I, I did, um, Dan Copen was my co-host, Copen, mm. of course, former, former Patriot yep. um, and was on a team that lost in Arizona. So when they were on the verge of losing to Seattle, as Seattle marched down to the whatever two yard line, um, we were in the tunnel um, so we weren't even actually watching the game live because you, you, the NFL has these rules. If you're going to be on the field mm-hmm. after the game, you've got to start lining up with like 10 minutes left to go in the game. Okay. So we're watching it. We were actually watching it on a monitor, probably like 25, 30 yards away from us. And Copen turns to me and he's like, I hate this place and I'm never <laughs> coming back. And then Boom. literally whatever, seven seconds later, Malcolm Butler has the ball in his hands and he's hooping it up and, you know, that the, the entire core there is the media from, from all sides, you know, national, uh, from Seattle, from, from Boston, you know, like just bedlam, like what yeah. just happened? Holy crap. Let me see the replay. I can't believe that just went down. Um, but there have been so many different moments like that, you know, and then, you know, running onto the field after the game when they've won. And I remember, uh, I forget which Super Bowl that was Logan <laughs> Ryan's on the Logan Ryan. That, that's it. That's another problem. Logan right. Ryan's on the field in the, like lying in the confetti with his daughter. Oh. And it's just like, there are so many cool That's awesome. um, moments that, you know, I've been able to take in with, you know, my eyes with Johnny Pesky. And when the Red Sox won, you know, just to kind of cross sports when the Red Sox won 04, him sobbing with the, tro- you know, like oh, the, man. this really cool things that I've been able to be a part of watching the Brooklyn in the cup. I mean, there's just been there's a million things. Yeah. Oh, four. That was just a special, special year. Cause that was the Pats third one. And I mean, of course the Red Sox, unparalleled in this region for what that meant. And I actually was at the uh, the Malcolm Butler game. I was about 40 yards lower level in the corner right from uh, Malcolm Butler. It was just the greatest sporting event I've ever been to. It was just awesome. That's, I say that too. Like, And I know Brady was just – Tom Brady was just on the record side kind of saying like the Atlanta game, he sort of can't get over that. And I would agree that was remarkable. But from start to finish, that Seattle game was two elite teams yeah. playing at their very best on that day is just a heavyweight fight. Like the, the, the great heavyweight fight of just, you know, just slugging away. Um, and that's the, I still think that's the best I've ever saw Brady play in the second half. I thought he yeah. was rid- ridiculous on fire. And that, I mean, that team, that Seattle team was no joke. And no, that was a great team. Yeah. They were really great, great good. Team. Um, and they had a lot of fans. I mean, they, they had more fans than us too. There's probably 60, 40 Seahawks fans and they were loud. That's been one of the cool things too. Like when, you know, as this, this sort of this dynasty was built and then you go into other places and see Patriot fans <laughs> take over other places yeah. and not just in Super Bowls where some of these Super Bowls, um, 
have seen like Patriot home games, <laughs> but also like just like I remember a random road trip in I think it was in was it 16 or 14. Maybe it was 14. We're in San Diego where they announced the players pregame and the, you know, you know, the charger fan base was obviously they're not there anymore. Um, Never a great fan base. And they were tepid. And then the Patriots get announced. And it was like, I'm like, Holy crap. Like this, this could be Gillette stadium. I could be in Gillette right now. There were so many people there from the Patriots and so loud saying, you know, happened in Atlanta for a regular season game where the, just the noise um, overtakes you. And you're like, it's pretty special. It's pretty, it's pretty, it's been, it was pretty amazing for sure. Yeah. And, and being one of us, you have the perspective of remembering old Schaefer stadium and the bench is half full and you know, yep. the flooding and you just playing in a glorified, you know, high school stadium to what, what has been built today is just, you have that perspective re- and it's crazy. I, yeah. I, well, I remember like Belichick's first year, you know, five and 11, right. And they're doing, yep doing press conferences after the game in the weight room. I'm like standing <laughs> on a 45 pound plate, like, you know, like just, just, you know, like not what you would envision a professional sports franchise <laughs> to be. And then of course, to where it is now, you know, where, you know, the facility is, um, even though it's a little aged now, um, still a beautiful facility um, with, you know, so much going for it. It's just, yeah, you, you think about those times. I also think about like coming down in, in, in Foxborough Stadium. We used to come down to the end zone. They let us watch the last two minutes on the field. Mm. That's when they used to let you run on the field and interview a player after the game, which they don't really do anymore. Um, the fans in that end zone, like, oh, God, the stuff that they hurled out of their mouth. <laughs> and like, it, to, to heaven forbid you were a, a female reporter. Because, oh, like, you know, fourth yep. quarter of a bad Patriots team. People are hammered, like just the stuff that would come out of their mouth. I'm like, you know, I pity I, I, like some of those people. Like, I, I poor Alice Cook. I'd be like, just keep your headphones in. You don't want to hear what they're saying. Yeah, yeah. I think after my dad took me to my first Patriots game, I asked him never to bring me back because I was so like mortified <laughs> at what I saw in in Foxborough Stadium that day. But that that's a good transition. Um, let's get into it. Covering Bill Belichick, you said that they don't make it easy. My brother and I always have a laugh uh, at his press conferences because we've, you know, we've never seen anyone who can speak longer and say more words without actually saying anything. And it's also, also, I mean, it's almost become predictable at this point of where, you know, Bill's going to go. What is it like to having to try and, you know, ask Bill questions and dissect those answers that you know are going to be, you know, fluff? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's sort of like the same thing I'm saying. Like you, so. And again, you, this, the social media or sports radio, the pushback you get, like, you know, he's not going to answer that question. <laughs> well, as, as I got, you know, he intimidated me when I first started. There's no yeah. question. Oh, yeah. Mark. And I think for any younger person on the beat, there is that factor. Like, you're just like, oh, I don't want to be the one he spits on today. Uh, and then you, you know, I, like I said, I, I got more comfortable in my shoes and like, this is what I'm here to do. And I'm going to ask him the question and whatever he chooses to do with the question that's entirely up to him. Um, but I'm never going to want to come out of there and say to myself, we didn't, I should have asked that. Right. You know, or like, why didn't we ask that? Or why did we press that? Like you, you, that, that just has to be the way it is. And like, like I said, he'll do, he can do it. He can do whatever he wants with it, but we're giving him an opportunity to go on the record and what he, whatever he chooses to do with that. 
Uh, if he wants to talk sideways, if he wants to snort at you, like that's, <laughs> that's entire, that's entirely up to him. Um, but you know, I can at least come away from and say, I know that I did what I was supposed to do. And you know, <laughs> if I didn't get the results I wanted, well, <laughs> you know, very few do. Yeah, yeah. And I think Bill's no, I mean, obviously no dummy. I think at the end of the day, he knows you're, you're just there doing a job and you're not there to, to bust his ball, you know, bust his chops. Uh, and you have a job to do and you're, you're asking the questions that people want to know. And I think at the end of the day, while he probably gets annoyed at some of your questions, he, he gets it. He knows that where you're going to go sometimes. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any question. I mean, and I think this is the thing that people maybe on the outside looking in don't really know. They use the media a lot, like in terms of they're talking to their players about us. What's, they, he knows what's been written. Like it's very rare that he would come into a press conference and not be prepared for, you know, what is, what's behind the curtain, if you will, what's lurking, like what's, is, oh, is, is, Sha- is Shaughnessy there? Like, oh, right. he wrote this about us. Oh, did Giardi said this about us on T, you know, like Curran said this, like that's, th- he knows he's pretty well prepped on, on, on what's happening. So he at least comes in, like I said, I think th- there are times where you're like, well, I can't believe he didn't really have a, a an answer for that, or at least like s- some sort of, smarter response but like hey look he's also coaching a football team and doing nine million other things so i guess every once in a while those things fall through the cracks right and yeah you're definitely not going to blindside bill with some breaking news he it doesn't seem like he misses a trick in there no definitely not and even at 69 so let's talk about it bill is 69 and he's um he's 36 wins if we count playoffs behind the the all-time record don shula do you think bill gets there i do think he gets there um Cause I think he's shown no signs of slowing down. So, you know, maybe, well, we'll see, we'll see how long it takes, but I think that, you know, he, he sort of recalibrated um, what he wanted to do and when he wanted to do it, you know, he made the Marv Levy comment about Levy coaching later in his career. Right, I'm not right. going to be that guy. I think he loves having his, his boys on the staff. I think he still shows the energy on so many of the fronts uh, that he has to be involved in are all of them really. Um, I haven't seen any signs of that. And you haven't heard it from players like, Oh, Bill seems disengaged. Like, you know, we, we do talk to people, you know, off the record yep. and they, you know, th- th- we learn some things that way. And I, and I've never had anyone tell me like, Oh, Bill's not, you know, like, I don't know. You know I don't look up with Bill or like that. I've never gotten that vibe from anybody. Um, and, you know, when people are protected by anonymity, they can say things right. <laughs> uh, and not fear retribution. So, um, yeah, I think he's still as, you know, I think maybe he, maybe he has farmed some stuff out that he wouldn't normally have farmed out yep. 10, 15 years ago. But I just think that's smart. I mean, I, I at the end of the day, I think, you know, his intelligence, um, his ability to make adjustments, you know, over the last 20 years that we've seen it, I mean, it helped having Brady, obviously. Um, but, I, you know, that's that's his, his value, as as much of his value right there in, in do, being able to do those sorts of things and seeing things and maybe being one step ahead of the other guy. Yeah, definitely. And that's a good transition to the other half of our dynamic, well, former dynamic duo, probably the greatest team athlete in the history of team sport. Everyone knows Tom Brady, the seven um, – 
Super Bowl wins, uh, 10 appearances. We, we all know the story. Tell me something about Tom Brady that I didn't know before I sat down today to talk to you. What, after your years <laughs> of covering Tom, what, what's one thing that kind of sticks out that's not really well known about him? That's a good one. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of. Um, well, I, I don't know that this is like, this is more of a general comment. Okay. But like, you know, a lot of people look at him now and say like, well, look at what he's become and sort of like Giselle and that influence. And like, yeah. you know, he, they, they turned my Tommy into, you know, this like global icon and who's got other interests aside from just playing football. But I think if you were around him at the beginning and you talked to people around him at the beginning, Tom always had big plans that went beyond being the quarterback of the New England Patriots. Mm -hmm. Like Tom always had this, like this vision. I don't know what it was at 21. Like, Oh, I want to be a politician or oh, I want to be this, 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 you know, visionary with, with my, with my TB 12 and all these different things. But like, there was always that part of him where, Tom wanted to be famous for more than just football. Hmm. Um, and obviously football helped allow him to achieve that. Um, but now you've seen it. Like he has, he has other interests and he's not shy about um, letting us know about them and, and publicizing them, Yeah, which is his right, obviously. Yeah. I, I, that's a, that's a good answer. I didn't really, uh, cause he comes off as this, you know, oh, G shucks kind of guy that, you know, Tommy yeah. and, um, and you know, not so much these days, but I know when, when he started, he came off that way and I followed him, you know, uh, in his Michigan days closely cause I'm a big 10 guy and he, I didn't, I wouldn't have thought that coming out. Yeah, he did. There was definitely that, that part of him, that, that, that there was more to it than, than the shucks. And like, I, I don't want to say it was carefully crafted because I, then, then I think that there's some sort of, I don't know that, that, that diabolical is not the right word, but you know, there's something about that that doesn't sound right. And I don't want to say that it was that, right? but I think he understood, you know, like, and I think the stuff that you saw on the field um, was extremely genuine. Like that's just that that's he's, he wants to win. He wants to be perfect. Uh, he, you know, he's a fiery dude. He's, he's always been that way. Maybe he can't pump his arm as hard as he could, you know, when he was 22, now that he's 44, because he doesn't want to hurt it, but you know, like there's just that that um, that that nature of him, that aspect of him, and I think has always been true. And that, yeah, that that still he still kept that that chip on his shoulder that you know that that he's always got something to prove. Even even as celebrated and, and as successful he's as he's been, he still found a way to to get motivation and uh, still oh, try he, and he, disprove anybody. Yeah, he 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 mastered, and like Bill was part of that whole process of like you know, finding something about somebody and the opponent said this about you or twisting it into <laughs> something else. I, I mean, remember the Marty Schottenheimer thing where Schottenheimer basically was like, look, you know, they, they killed the Patriots and, and Schottenheimer's like, well, look, their, you know, their team was beat up and like, you know, like I'm not taking any victory laps here. It's like they were, they were in a difficult situation mm. and Brady's like, he should shut up and worry about his own team. And it was like, yep. Tom, he was actually being, kind and generous <laughs> you know right but like that's that sort of mindset i think comes from bill and I, I think tom has carried it with him and they they i mean you know rodney harrison was a, a master of that like yeah brewski like finding that one thing and like taking it and i think he's just he's run with it forever nobody gave uh, us a, nobody him. gave us a chance the number one seed. right <laughs> 
Oh, I mean, yeah, just like, yeah, absolutely ridiculous. Like some of the stuff, like, we'll see, like, dude, you're, you're, everybody gave you a chance. Everybody was giving you a chance for the last 15 years or whatever. Right. You're pretty much penciled into the AFC title game every one of those years. And, and to their credit, they basically got to every AFC title game during that, that course of time. Right. They, they definitely uh, played the, the motivation card very well. And it probably started with Bill. And uh, that's a good transition too. the, the million dollar question watching everyone, Looking fondly down to Tampa Bay is, is Tommy's tossing Lombardi's all over the bay. Um, the the million dollar question: Tom and Bill was it more one or the other the success? Or do you think it was a combination or just you know lightning struck at the the right time for to have both of them working together? Could have they have you know done this without each other? That's a great question. I would tend to say no. Uh, I think it was a perfect marriage. Right. I think, you know, when, when Tom left and Bill had that statement about, you know, Tom was basically the culture, you know, it's helped establish that if you want to use the Patriot way, which, uh, you know, that they tend to cringe over there. And I kind of cringe at it too, right. but just that sort of notion, like he allowed himself to be coached harder than, or as hard as the the last guy on the roster, or, you know, some crumb bomb that, you know, wasn't going to make much of an impact. And, I mean, obviously, at the end, he sort of balked at that and wanted a little bit more respect. And just, you know, Bill was going to coach the way Bill was going to coach. But I think that that marriage, I, I don't want to say it was one guy over the other. I think that that was just a perfect union. And um, they were both able to maximize each other's skills, you know, Yeah. I guess is the way I would put it. And I just, yeah, it, it was a unique um, and incredible run. And I, I just, I know that like now the, the, well, it was Bill's fault or like Tom was greedy or whatever you, whatever side you take there. Like I'm sort of over that too. And I know we'll hear a ton of it because they're playing each other in week four. Oh yeah. I'm just, I just think it's one of those things that you just should appreciate what it was and for how long it lasted. Cause um, you know, you never would have guessed that the six round kid out of Michigan and this guy in Belichick who had one winning season, I think in, in Cleveland, could help form this this unbelievable modern day dynasty. Yeah, it's it's just amazing. We've been very very lucky as Patriots fans to uh, I, I can speak as a fan because I still am very lucky to to witness what we have. And I, I think you're right. I think it has been it's in vogue now to kind of say, oh, you know, look at Bill now without Tom. He's you know you know seven and nine. But I think I think um, it was definitely a combination of the two, and they they pushed each other to to heights that we had never seen. Yeah, and it was a combination of the two that led to the, the the split. You know, like it wasn't just Bill, it wasn't just Tom. It was you know, it was a variety of things, like it is with any relationship that eventually ends. Like you know, there's there's just not just one thing. There was a bunch of different things that came from 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 both sides. Yeah, and that's another. Um, it should be interesting. Week four, we have uh, the uh, the the world champion Bucks coming in. That's a good good kind of. <laughs> way to segue into the 2021 Patriots. We're, again, as I mentioned, a week out of training camp where it's starting. This year, the Pats um, look a lot different than last year, and they took a, a new route to team building and with the, the free agency spending. What, what, do you think, what do you think precipitated, well, other than 7-9 and nine and Tom winning the Super Bowl, kind of the change in philosophy down on uh, down at Patriot Place? Well, I think it's 7-9. and nine. I think that's the first reason that they did what they did. I think it was the second reason they did what they did. I think it was the third reason they did what they did. <laughs> I think it was incredibly unacceptable to um, to everybody who's been involved with the program over there, you know, from, from ownership to, to Bill and the coaching staff 
to the players that have been here through, you know, good portions of this, that, that, you know, that, that season was not, it just wasn't up to the standard. It wasn't good enough. And obviously look, the, the, because of COVID and what happened to the cap, um, it really placed a ton of teams, you know, 20 something teams were in cap, had cap issues going into free agency, which never, you know, never happens. There's always, you know, there's always 10 or 12 teams that can be players in free agency and be big players in free agency. And because of what happened, there was really three or four teams that had money and the Patriots had money. And it was like, all right, well, you know, like our roster isn't good enough. We weren't good enough. Um, we've got this opportunity that we don't normally have. And yes, it goes against our philosophy. Um, and I think you hear that from players and from ownership, you know, like, Hey, yeah. we know this isn't how we've done it before. So just because we spent all this money doesn't, you know, we won in, we won in March, but we make fun of teams that have won in March. Right. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta win in, in, in January and February. Um, so, you know, I think that the, the, there are veterans on this team. People have been around the team for a long time. They're like, we'll see how it plays, you know, but I think clearly, at least on paper, they, um, they've upgraded themselves in a, in a lot of different places. And, um, you know, I look, all these free agents aren't going to hit. Some right. of them might bust out and bust yeah. out quickly. Um, some of them might never be worth quote unquote worth the money that they're getting paid. Um, which I always say is kind of crazy because, you know, the cap, <laughs> except for this year, it goes up, you know, $15 million every year. Like the cap is huge. Like, Oh, you can't pay this quarterback $28 million. Well, you realize that's like the average pay for a quarterback now. Like this, this is things have changed. We have these things in our mind that we, we, we can't quite shake free of, but um, yeah, I think they're to me, they, they definitely got a lot better and you know, whether a lot better means challenging the bills and the dolphins in the AFC East, whether that means, you know, challenging the chiefs and the bills as the, as the cream of the crop in the, in the conference, whether that means, you know, playing Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, you know, like, I, I don't, I don't know. We've got a lot of time before that, that all plays out. We haven't even seen them in pads yet, but um, right. they're, they're definitely better for sure. Yeah. And I don't like to quantify like who was our best signing or yada, yada, yada. Who do you think the most interesting free agent signing is that you really want to, you have your eye on and you're wondering, you know, if this guy really turns out and pops, he could really make a difference out of all the, the new free agent signings. Who do you, who do you have your eye on the closest coming into camp? Well, I hate that John o. Smith hurt his hamstring in mandatory minicamp after mm. not being here during the OTAs. Cause yep. I mean, first of all, they're voluntary. Second of all, his wife was having a, a baby. So I could understand why he didn't want to, you know, up and leave or bring him with her and then back and forth they would go. Right. Um, but he's a unique talent. They're basically, you know, the way I viewed that contract, um, he was the top of their list of pass catchers. That's what they wanted. They went out and got him on day one. Um, they're paying him for what they think he can be, not what he's done before, because I mean, his career high, I think it's 45 catches. Yep. That's not in general what you would pay the kind of money they paid him for. But I think he's a, uh, a tremendous athlete and he does basically everything pretty well. And I'm curious to see if he's healthy, how that can be utilized. You know, I, I think we've, we've seen over the, the course of time here, the Patriots do things differently you know, offensively from year to year, things get a little tweaked out. But yep. what I think they're most comfortable with is having the multiple tight ends, yep. and being able to utilize them that way. I think that's comfortable with the quarterbacks, especially if you're going to, you know, either whether it's Cam um, or you're transitioning to a rookie quarterback like that, I, those guys are important. So, you know, I, I like 
the the potential upside of, of what Smith could bring. But again, there's going to be a lot of expectations on him because people are going to attach the dollar figure to his name now. Right. This isn't Tennessee where you're making you know a million dollars. This is oh no no the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick spent big money on you. Now you're coming into a market where every move will be scrutinized, every missed block, every drop pass. Uh, oh, he can't get open in the red zone. What's happening? You know, like we'll see how he and other guys deal with that because it's it's definitely different here. Right. And uh, he's a good blocker too, right? If I remember. Yeah, he, yeah, he's a dude. He's a he's a, he's a physical specimen. I will say he. I, Although he did a bunch of different um, interviews over the course of that week where he, the pitch had signed him. And I don't know where, I think it was in Florida. He couldn't figure out how to change the battery on the smoke alarm. <laughs> so he's just like us. The battery was true. That thing uh-huh. was chirping in the background. I was like, dude, can you like, all right, it's been three days. How's that not <laughs> driving you crazy? You got to get, you got to get, find the battery. <laughs> well, Bill can't change the, the clock in his car. So I, we'll, true. we'll, we'll cut true. him some slack on that. And, and the big question, I heard your, your latest report on, um, Gilmore, um, that the agents said that they'd be willing to do a multi-year deal or a, a one-year deal to get him up to market rate. What do you what do you think is going to happen there? What uh, how do you think this one shakes out? So I think eventually they come to some sort of agreement on a one-year kicker, you know, a little boost um, in his salary. I think it would be. I know he's coming off the injury and didn't play at the same level he did two years ago when he was the defensive player of the year. Right. But to me, I think if you've spent all this money uh, with eyes on, you know, being a player again this year and not being seven and nine, I, just his mere presence, I think, is is important to the team. Even if he if you think he's not the same player he was, I still think he's a damn good player. Yep. And I think he's pretty motivated to show people that he's got a lot more football left in him. So to me, that's the thing that makes the most sense. You know, he is in his 30s now. So, like, if you don't want to commit a three-year deal to a cornerback is 31. I understand where you're coming from, but I think to not get it done um, would be a little foolish based on how you've operated this entire offseason. Right, yeah. I foresee them maybe doing like a big one-year bump and then maybe these guys, you know, parting ways and letting him get, go back out to the market next year. Yeah, and I think they're totally like, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. Like the reporters, some people say, well, I mean, so he just says he just wants money. You know, like what they – no, he's willing – I think they're willing to do – whatever it takes uh, he does like it here i know there was a report last year about him selling his home and like no they really did just want to move into the city and experience <laughs> the city so the, we you know we, we hear people say follow the real estate well in this case there was nothing to hear except you know like hey we, we lived out in the sticks and now we want to we want to experience the city so um yeah he i think he would like to be here so uh, hopefully they can you know they get that thing done because like i said i just think it it all the tea leaves have pointed you in the direction of you've loaded up uh, to me to be short-sighted and to not bring back a guy who was the defensive player of the year two years ago. Right. And that's so funny. You see, follow the real estate. That's definitely something you didn't consider back in Binghamton was like, well, what's going on with their uh, real <laughs> yeah, estate exactly. transactions. That's funny. <laughs> Getting back to the quarterback. I was blown away when they brought cam back. Do you think all of the, the additions and the fortification on the offense, do you think we're going to see, I mean, it would, it got rough at the end of the year last year. Do you think yeah. we're going to see a, a, a better camp? I mean, there's nowhere to go but up, I think. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I am going to be watching that as more closely than anything, obviously, because it wasn't good last year. And I think some of the – he was playing well before COVID yep. was a little overblown. Right. You know, he, he, he was solid in week one against Miami. 
He had a phenomenal second half in Seattle, um, which, by the way, Seattle for the first eight or ten weeks of the season was on pace to be historically like the worst pass defense (laughs) in NFL history. Mm. So I think that kind of gets lost in it. Mm. He didn't play well in week three. Then he gets to COVID. You know, when he came back, I know I've talked to people inside the building and they're like, basically, when we reviewed the season, we took those two games that he played when he first came back from COVID and we threw them out because he clearly there's he was whether it's COVID fog, whatever it was, yeah. he was still dealing with things and didn't appear to be himself uh, to them, at least on the field. Uh, and then after that, it's sort of a roller coaster, you know, some good games against teams like the Jets. Right. You know, some some awful games. Uh, where he's, you know, he's not even throwing for what, 75 yards, 39 yards, like the kind of stuff that doesn't happen in, in, in modern football anymore. So yeah, there's a lot on him. And I, I, I will say this to his credit. I thought his, he did an interview with ESPN with Keyshawn last week. Uh-huh. And I thought, you know, he's been, I, I just felt he's been incredibly refreshing and honest the entire time he's been here. Uh, and I thought he was very matter of fact, he's like, look, man, it doesn't matter that I've been here for a year now. Like, now all that matters is when we put the pads on, can I go do the things that I'm supposed to do? Cause I didn't do them well enough last year. And uh, I mean, that's a bit of an understatement, but uh, I think he, he understands like, Hey, look, they drafted a first round kid. He's, he's coming for my job. Um, and if I play like I did last year, Bill's not going to give me the benefit of the doubt, you know, for 16 weeks again, right. 17 now, like he did last year, you know, it's just, it's not going to happen. So uh, I'm really curious to see how he, he sort of responds to this and how he looks when when it starts happening. I mean, double double joint practices this year, so we'll get some really good live reps in that case. Um, I suspect they'll play some in some of the preseason games too because one less preseason game. Yep. So th- this this uh, this coming month for him, you know, into August is gonna it's gonna be huge. Yeah, and speaking of the the much heralded first round pick rookie that's right over Cam's shoulder, what are your? I know we've only gotten a, a quick glimpse of him what are your impressions on mac jones the national champion uh quarterback out of alabama um what do you foresee do you think we see number 10 on the field this year i do think we see 10 on the field at some point this year i i i think they have been incredibly impressed by his ability to absorb the information that they're giving him um which you know sort of his reputation i mean he's someone who was teaching bill o'brien former texans coach former oc here now the OC at Alabama, he was teaching him the offense this off season. Um, so I mean, I just tell you something about his, his brain and how it works there. I mean, I think he plays, people hate this because, because I'm mentioning what, what <laughs> happened over the last two decades, but he plays the game the way that I think Josh has been most comfortable calling the game. And I think he is incredibly accurate where um, he was in college especially in the short to intermediate throws, which quite frankly is where Tom made his living for yep. a better part of his career. Um, so can he, can he bring that same type of accuracy to the NFL level? You know, look, we saw him in shorts and t-shirts and helmets, and he had some moments where he looked phenomenal in OTAs and, and minicamp looked much better than cam. And then he had moments where you're like, well, he's a rookie, <laughs> you know, like that's, that wasn't good. You know, like yeah. there, there's, so there's that curve, you know, and, I, and that's why I think Cam comes in as the odds-on favorite to be the starter. But, you know, I think this kid, you know, judging from everything I hear and and, and the, the brief times that we saw him, he's grasping stuff and, you know, he's going to put pressure on him. And that's, you know, Bill loves competition. He's, he's going to get it at the most important position on the field. 
Yeah, I think uh, watching Mac Jones this year will be fascinating. And, I mean, if if Cam stumbles out of the gate, the, the cries for Mac Jones are going to be louder than, you know, any crying we heard last year, I think. Well, they're, are, they'll be, they're, they're already loud. Like, people don't even like the notion that, like, <laughs> uh, for, for instance, I keep saying I think Cam's the odds-on favorite to at least start the season. Right. Oh, why would you do that? Why would you do that? I'm like, look, there's a lot of different reasons why you do that. I think they feel in part, and I wrote this right before they re-signed him, I think they feel in part like they let him down a little bit last year, that they overvalued their own talent. And then when they got out there and started playing, they're like, God, we don't have any receivers to get open, especially after Julian got hurt. You know, mm-hmm. that Jacoby's a nice story and he's a smart player and he's probably going to play in the league for 10 years. But like, he can't be your number one, can he? Like we, we, we just, they weren't they got no production out of their tight ends. I mean, you, it's just, you, know, you, you watched it, you saw it. I mean, it was, it right. was pretty, pretty horrific from an offensive standpoint. And I think there's part of them that says, like, man, we didn't do him any favors, you know, like signed him in late June, put him on a a moving train and asked him to learn an offense that's been in the makings for 20 some odd years like that. There's a lot that wasn't. um, I guess fair is not the right word, but they, you know, because it's professional sports, it's life. We all all have to do things that, that are hard, but like. It was it was pretty difficult, and now all right, you've got a year, you've got this under your belt. Now go show us that you you're you're worthy of us bringing you back and 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 being the guy. Interesting, kind of kind of resetting the uh, the the clock on him and uh, giving him some uh, some weapons. And again, the COVID thing, what it did mess everybody up. It was just a weird weird year. And I mean, we always knew that the, the quarterback to follow Tom Brady, I mean, would probably have some really tough shoes to fill, no matter what he did. Uh, to, to his credit, like, I think, I don't know how many guys would have been able to handle it. I think he handled it pretty well. Like, obviously not from a, he didn't give you the production that you were looking for, but I think from a mental standpoint, um, from a leadership standpoint, from an energy standpoint, he, he did all he could do. Like it, that, uh, that job was not, that was not an enviable job for anybody, uh, you know, replacing Tom and then replacing Tom with, you know, the shell of, of Julian Edelman and, and really no other pieces offensively. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely tall, tall order. So I think on the other side of the ball, I mean, we're, I think we're in agreement that they're going to define uh, some type of um, uh, resolution to the Gilmore deal and he'll be on the team come, you know, either camp or before the season starts. I'm, I'm, I'd make that bet. So defensively, I think will be a strength. This will probably looks like one of the stronger teams in the league on the other side of the ball, if everything comes yeah, I, together. I, really, I, I just love, you know, I think they, uh, they hated what happened to them last year in the front seven mm. and how teams could run, run on them at will. Yep. yep. And if you look at the numbers, they were actually, I think one of the best teams in the league on third down. Okay. Problem is they couldn't get teams to third down <laughs> because they were constantly in, you know, second and shorts uh, or even third and shorts and you can't stop the run. Uh, I, I use the phrase many times, which I know some people down there didn't like, um, but they got emasculated at times up front. And I think if you saw the way, you know, if you look at what they've done to the front seven um, since that time, obviously aided by, you know, Hightower's return, yep. but just how they spent their money, uh, who they drafted Barmore, like Judon being, you know, were a huge fish for them. Uh, again, maybe you know, the number for him is going to be something that he's going to have a hard time shaking. Cause I don't think he's a 10, 12, 14 sack guy, yep. but he's just a really good football player. So I think they're going to be more physical up front. 
Um, you know, I just, I don't, I think they said, there's no way you're going to push us around this year. Yeah. So we're just not going to, we're not letting it happen. And this is how we're going to respond to it. And to me, I'm really, I mean, I, I know that's like sort of, um, you know, maybe inside football or nuts and bolts, but I'm really, really kind of hungry to see how that unit, that front seven sort of takes hold and sort of defines how the other team approaches them because I, I trust their secondary, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. and obviously in this league teams are going to make plays against you because it's, it's, it's favored for the passer and favored for offenses. Right. But I think that the, that they're, they're going to try to make teams one dimensional and take away the run. And that's something they could not do last year. Fascinating team on both sides of the ball. I mean, with the, the quarterback thing and then the defense just to see, you know, how, how, how high they can go and how, how it'll gel. Um, Definitely a, a, one of the most uh, anticipated seasons, I think, in, in recent memory. So what do you think? Playoff team? What, what's your outlook for the 21-20? Yeah. 2021 so I, at first blush, I say 11 and 6. Okay. Um, and that, I think to me, that's that's assuming competent quarterback play. Like, I'm not even talking about great quarterback play. I think they were below average at the quarterback position. I think had they been, a, had they been competent at the quarterback position last year, they were 9 and 7 instead of seven and nine. And then maybe you're talking about in a playoff appearance. Um, and maybe we're looking at the whole year after Brady a little bit differently. Um, I just think, again, if it, you know, obviously health is important. I'm, yeah. I'm, everybody knows that, but I, I just think there's enough there to make me believe that even with the AFCs getting more difficult, even with the yeah. AFC get, becoming more difficult, that that's a team that they're, they're hungry and they, they want to prove people, that last year was a fluke, and I think that's a that's a good recipe for at least getting back into the playoffs. And then, you know, again, I think a lot depends on the quarterback and some of the weapons because I still don't think that they have enough at wide receiver. Right. Um, you know, and they'll, they'll tell you they think they have more than enough, but they thought they had more than enough last year. So, right. you know, we'll see how that one plays out. But I, um, you know, and if they get if they get better than competent quarterback play. Maybe they give the Bills a run for their money. I mean, if you look at the schedules, the way they sort of plays out, the Bills' schedule is very top-heavy. Yeah. So the first seven, eight weeks of the season for them is their hardest stretch. Um, and the Patriots is – it's not that difficult. I mean, yeah, there's New Orleans, but New Orleans comes here. Yep. There's Tampa, um, and we know what that's going to be like, but at least you got Tampa coming here. So there's there's things that are in their favor, and I, I think the rest of it sort of really shakes out for them well. Um, then they see Buffalo like twice in the final four or five weeks of the season, which is yeah. odd to me, but yeah. um, the, so they have an opportunity maybe to jump out in the division a little bit and sort of establish themselves once again as like, Hey, you know, like we're here, this is going to be real this year. You don't, don't look at us and think you're going to come to our building and do what the bills did doing last year in, in December and beat them, whatever it was 38 to three or something. Ugh. I mean, that game was disgusting. Right. Um, I think that they have an opportunity and, you know, like then I think that sort of feeds, like if you have that early success then you start to build some confidence in what you're doing, some belief in some of the new players, you know, like, cause like I said, there, there are guys on that team. Where I'm, I'm going to be watching that kid. I'm going to be watching that guy. How do they handle, how do they handle the media? How do they handle criticism? How do they handle bill? Cause bills, no, you know, no picnic to be coached by. Like there's, there's a lot of adjustments they're going to have to make to it. And I think, if you get off to a good start, people can start looking at each other like, okay, we can do that with that guy. Right. Oh yeah. They, they did the right thing by signing that guy. You know, like the, the, those are the things that I think we don't often take into account. Uh, but I think you need to. Yeah. I think we've seen over the past 20 years, Bill is kind of uh, really good at uh, putting people in position to win, um, taking the, you know, the pieces and putting them together and putting them in the right place. So 
Hopefully that'll continue with these new guys. Uh, it's funny to hear you say eleven and six. First year with a seventeen game season. <laughs> Any anything you think uh, how that will impact teams or how do you think that'll impact you know the product or the overall? Um, you think injuries would be a factor or what do you think we should look at for with a kind of a longer season this year? Yeah, I mean I think football is such a brutal game that guys are pretty much hurt after you know two yeah. weeks of of training camp, <laughs> and then it's you know. What's the severity of it? Can they keep playing with the things that they have? Can they manage the things that they have over the course of time? I'm, I am curious to see, you know, like you just talk about like how many more plays is that? If you're playing one or more regular season, is that 70 more plays on offense? Do do coaches look at that and say, all right, well, if I can buy, you know, my star running back or my left tackle, you know, six to eight snaps a game here and there, you know, when we get to that 17th game, is he still looking at the same overall workload as in 16? I, you know, they, they have all the sports science and all that stuff. Right. Then, then you have the the reverse of that, which is my job's on the line. They just have to win. <laughs> so I don't really care. Right. Uh, you know, but I'm curious to see, you know, sort of how that, that goes. Cause I think, again, it's not, it's not something we've ever seen before. And I'm curious to see how teams, you know, the different approaches that they use to it. Yeah. Like in the NBA, we've seen recently load management will come into uh, yeah, load management <laughs> play this year. Hopefully we don't see quarterbacks sitting out quarters and stuff. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we'll ever see quarterbacks sitting out unless, you know, it's a, the, that last game and you're you're already locked in as the number one seed or the number two seed. You say, all right, you know, play play a quarter, get some work in, and then then go put a baseball hat on backwards and, and, and watch from the sidelines. Right. Well, this has been awesome. Um, I really appreciate you, Mike, taking the time. I think I could have gone another two hours with you, but I don't want to <laughs> take up your whole your whole night. Um one, I'm going to give you an opportunity right now. If you, I think you know, because you're a friend, if you want to break any news, any breaking <laughs> NFL Patriots or any team news, feel free. I'll give you the floor to uh, to share something with uh, I, Mike. I, I wish I wish I had something for. You. I wish I could I could herald the uh, the re-signing of uh, uh, or the the uh, new extension for for Stefan Gilmore, but we're not there yet. And uh, I will say, I'll tell you what's funny. And I, I, again, this is you, you, talking about social media, like biting your tongue. Like everybody's announcing, oh, we signed this draft pick. We signed that draft pick. Well, that, and, and I want to say so badly, you know, ever since that we went to slotting, mm. everybody gets signed. Right. Nobody holds out. And if the guy holds out, that's the story. Not that they sign, because <laughs> everybody signs now. So anyway. Right. They stayed the past to sign their last, uh, I think they're, they're all yeah, signed. Barmore, Barmore, yeah, Barmore. Yeah, Barmore. Just, yeah. It's, and like, again, the money's not the issue. It's just this. this the, some of the contract language stuff. Yeah, so yeah, and a, a personal question for me, I have to ask: Have you seen Ted Lasso? Season two comes out Friday. Uh, I know you're show. a massive fan of huge, it. Everybody tells fan. me I have to watch it. I have not seen a single solitary minute of it, but it's on my to do list. Oh, you I definitely get to it. Definitely have to see it. I'm so excited. It's a great show, and it uh, it kind of turns some of the normal tropes on it. And but Mike, again, I can't thank you enough. I think you do an amazing job on the NFL Network, and I've followed your career and I know we've been buddies for years and uh, I appreciate you coming on and uh, any final last words for the pod where it happens or uh, anything you want to share before we uh, call in a night? No, I just want to say it was an honor to be on your, on the pod. And I, you oh. know, like I'm going to say, you know, whatever, five years from now when you're, <laughs> you're like the number one pod in, in all of America, you know, and you're on Spotify and you're all doing these things. Like I'll say like, Hey, I was one of his first guests. Wow. Wow. That would, that would be something. <laughs> I, I wouldn't hold your breath on that, but you can definitely <laughs> hey, uh, never your... say never keep, keep grinding, man. That's right. It's all about the grind. So yeah, thank you uh, again. Uh, keep up the good work. We'll be in touch over the season um, on the great Twitter airwaves and such. 
Um, Absolutely, man. Look forward to it. Yeah, this has been so great to have Mike Giardi from the NFL Network, and uh, this has been the pod where it happens. If you want to get in touch with me with um, anything, um, email is happenspod at gmail.com. Um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the same. And uh, if you want to tweet at Mike on, on Twitter, it's, it's Mike Giardi at, at, uh, at Mike Giardi, right? Yeah, just be nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think you've developed I mean, you've learned probably by now to develop a thick enough skin to, you kind of oh, have, have to, to, right? Yes, there's, there's, there's no other way to do it. Well, yeah, thanks again, Mike. This has been great. And uh, as always, I tell all my uh, listeners to look out for each other, listen to each other, learn from each other, be kind to each other out there, and be a goldfish like Ted Lasso tells Sam, <laughs> and uh, definitely step out of your comfort zone for each other. So love you, mean it. Thanks for listening. Uh, this has been the pod where it happens. I'm Mike Espejo, and uh, we'll catch you on the flip side. Yeah, but